You want kicking things out of orbit? Oh my gosh! I'm gonna just knock it sideways. One of the greatest fighters. John Jones beat every champion pretty much now. Let's do it. Khabib gets his hands on McGregor. It's gonna be that nice. Let's get into it. And just like that, we are back. And so glad to present another episode of This Week in MMA. If this is the first time that you tuned into the show, hey, I just want to extend a personal thank you for me, myself, and I. To you, the listener out there, whether you're in the car, you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or you're watching along with us on YouTube, thanks so much. As always, one half of your host to do it, Craig Allen. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Craig Allen FNP. With me to my left, to your right, as always, Matt Allen. On their respective socials, it's easy, at Matt Allen FNP. And Matt, we buried the lead this week. We had our UFC preview and prediction for UFC Fight Night Lad versus Dumont. But, oh, wait, there's more because, Matt, this weekend, Bellator 268, I mentioned it at the start of our overall previews and predictions. We said the UFC was a 2 out of 5 star card on Fight Matrix. Bellator's got them beat 3 out of 5. And that's not all. You and I, on Saturday, we're going to be live at Fight League Atlantic number 2. It was scheduled to take place in Truro, Nova Scotia. But, oh, no, that will not be so. It's going to be at the old Coliseum in Moncton. We're going to be there live covering the fights. We're going to talk about them later on in the show. But, Matt, I'm just overall looking forward to bringing back this week in MMA. Yeah, it's nice to talk about MMA outside the UFC for once because the UFC slate's gotten a little stale. Let's be honest. We've just had a lot of cards lately. They've been a little watered down, but the good news is we've got great pay-per-views to end the year. Great headliners for fight nights. We've got things like Marvin Vittori, Paulo Costa, Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, like really big cards to get excited for. And we've also got this Bellator event this weekend. It isn't that often that you have former champions fighting former top UFC fighters. And also, Vadim Nemkov might be the best 205-pounder in the world. And we should probably talk about him a little bit more. And I'm not just saying that because Big John McCarthy will try to shut that fact down your throat. But I really do think that Vadim Nemkov's run that he's gone on, he's proved that he's well-rounded. He can strike. He can grapple. Like, no matter where the fight takes place, he can excel in. And I really do feel like if he can string together a few more wins, the conversation really will start to shift and become, is Vadim Nemkov the best 205-pounder in the world? Matt, well, let's switch it on over to one of my favorite newer segments on the show. And again, if this is the first time you're tuning in, thanks so much. We're going to throw it on over to our MMA landscaping segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about Bellator in depth, as well as that Fight League Atlantic 2. And we're going to bring in another one of our colleagues. You know him quite well at the Sunday Morning Corner Man, John Franklin. He's going to be our boots on the ground live in his hometown, I guess you could say, or adopted hometown of Phoenix, Arizona from, what is it, the Footprint Center? Is that what it's called? And I'm looking forward to this card so much. Let's throw it on over to the MMA landscaping segment. And when we're looking ahead to this weekend, we're doing our MMA landscaping. We're having a little bit of fun. We talked about it earlier on in that UFC card. You have UFC Fight Night, Lad versus Dumont. There's lots of different fights that, of course, I know I'm looking forward to. You are as well. And it seems like everybody out there in the comments section and in the DMs on the Instagrams, Ludovic Klein, Nate Landwehr, that's a really fun fight. The co-main event coming up this weekend, that's a pretty good one. But I know there's a lot of conversation centered around this Bellator card. And how could it not be? And I just went through and I wrote down some of the names that I was looking forward to. I mean, Benson Henderson taking on Brent Primus. That one at 155 pounds. Obviously, for Benson Henderson, 
I'd say one of the better UFC lightweight champions that we've had and one of the more dynamic fighters that we had because he could get it done on the feet, but it was always his ground game that was something you had to look out for. With Brent Primus, that's his bread and butter, is his ground game. And I know for Henderson, he got dominated at 170 his last time out against Jason Jackson. That's just going to happen. I think Jason Jackson's going to have a hell of a fight against Yaroslav Amasov when it happens. But for the here and now, Benson Henderson competing on the same card as his wife in this one, not something that we see all that often. So I really am looking forward to this fight. I think it should be fireworks at 155. I think this will be a phenomenal fight. This is kind of like a Bellator crossroads fight. Normally these fights happen in Bellator between like a 45-year-old and a 30-year-old, but these guys are still both somewhat in their prime. Just Benson Henderson has a lot to prove right now. Like he's shown that, okay, at 170 pounds, he can be an exciting fighter. I wouldn't say a great fighter at that weight class, but at 100. 55 pounds like you don't become a UFC champion at lightweight by accident you're really really good at this weight class for a reason and Benson Henderson like you had mentioned is just so well-rounded but with Brent Primus you're dealing with the former champion who again has a lot to prove Brent Primus thinks that he deserves to be back in that title picture and this will be a really interesting fight because both guys are so well-rounded if this is just a grappling fight it should be a great exchange between both these guys if this is just on the feet it should be really entertaining so I think this is a phenomenal fight yeah I mean how many guys get wins in MMA by Gogo Plata. It's pretty rare. There's not that many of them. For Brent Primus in his last three, he was able to pull out one of those. But again, I had mentioned you have Maria Henderson on this card as well. You go top to bottom through the prelims and we can have a little bit of fun with it. But Lance Gibson Jr. competing on this card. The guy's a highlight reel to watch. He's a model for Roots of Fight, which is something that Matt's modeling as well. But realistically, not up. something that you see all that often. It's going to be an awkward fight because this is the first fight that he's had under the banner without his stepmother, Julia Budd, actually competing for the promotion. She's now with PFL. And I'm kind of surprised they have him buried on the prelims because it's not like he's a massive star for They Bellator. keep burying him, and it's weird. Like, That's you what talk, I mean. The guy's a star. Like, Thank you. We talked with him with Fight Night Picks, and he gives very insightful answers, but... To me, like, if he was fighting, if he had a spot on Contender Series, he would then end up in the UFC. They'd market him well. With Bellator, it's like, yeah, we've got landscapes and we've got, like, rat garbage, mandled yellow, but then they never really market them all that well. No, I, I agree 100%. It's just really surprising because Bellator's... They're kind of in a unique position. I know a lot of people crap on Bellator because maybe their overall level of talent isn't as high as the UFC, but what Bellator can get away with is they can sign a really promising prospect with a record of 1-0. In the UFC, you almost have to be built up a little bit before you make your way over there, but in Bellator, they can build up prospects. If you build up prospects on a big stage, if you put them on main cards, it allows a broader audience to sort of watch the development of that, pro pro uh, of that prospect, and you see them progress throughout their career. I just think it's a really big miss opportunity because again this is one of the few edges Bellator has over the UFC they can give prospects more of a spotlight and it's just unfortunate to see that they haven't done so with uh, Gibson Jr. I throw down a couple more prospects and people that you know you might recognize from the LFAs of the world and then they end up in the UFC from some of the Russian promotions we have the debut of Burkamov he's taking on Jalil Willis that should be an absolute grapple fest if you're looking forward to a very high level fight that is again Buried on the prelims. That's one of those ones that really, you could take that fight, put it in the UFC. That could be a featured prelim for, for all I care. We say this, but as you look at the main card for this Bellator, it's not like I'd really replace any fights on the main card. Like, no. this is one of the deeper Bellator cards because it is so good top to bottom. You want to see a big finish. Javier Torres taking on Gregory Milliard. That should be absolute fireworks. We have Bobby Lee taking on Nick Brown. Again, a couple of guys that are down to bang. It's a Julian Lane special. 
For me, the fight that I'm really looking forward to, I assume as of now at the start of the week, this is going to be your feature prelim. We have Carl Albrechtson, who really hasn't kind of got it going yet with Bellator, and you know exactly what he can do on his best night. He can beat Yuri Prohashia on his worst night. Well, he can't, but then on his best night, he can beat a Vadim Nemkov. Like, Carl Albrechtson, when he brings it all together, he's an all-stars guy out of Sweden. He really has that whole package. He's going to be taking on Dovletsen Yagshimradov, a guy that... I thought I had a great opportunity to beat Corey Anderson his last time out, but he was my dark horse in this light heavyweight Grand Prix. I still think he has a good opportunity. This is a banger of a fight at 205. I think this will be a really entertaining fight, and I don't know if the winner of this will get a title shot, but I do think the winner will at least get a name who was in the tournament, or a big fight next, because at 205 pounds, Bellator's gonna keep on saying, oh, we have the best light heavyweight division in the world. I wouldn't go that far. It, it's good, don't get me wrong, but I still think the UFC has an edge in this division. I think Albrechtson has a lot to prove. Again, I know I've said that for a few fighters on this card, but no one really knows what baseline Carl Albrechtson is. I know on his best day, like you said, he can beat some of the best fighters in the world, but I know on his like average day or on his worst day, he's just kind of stationary. He doesn't really bring all those intangibles and all those X factors that he has in his wins. So it'll be really interesting to see what version of Albrechtson we get and if he can ever find a level of consistency in Bellator. Your fight right now to kick off the main card, Henry O.K. Corrales, again, on his best night, he can beat an Aaron Pico. And then on his worst night, you're losing to, you know, middling Bellator prelim fighters. Like, it's just very strange, the highs and lows of his game. But I know for sure he's in there to have a great fight. His opponent is going to be Vladislav Probunchenko. And this is a guy that wasn't able to get the win in his Bellator debut. They're looking for fighters out of Ukraine that are going to be stars. I mean, again, you look at your guy that's a champion at 170. Holy smokes. Do we have another guy like that? I don't know, but in this fight, both guys have a lot to prove and pretty sexy records at that too. The way you build it, is Henry Corrales Bellator's like Jeff Horn, the boxer? Like on his best day, he beat Manny Pacquiao. Then he had another big fight against Bud Crawford. Didn't go his way at all. It's just, there's peaks and valleys to the career of Henry Corrales, but he's a really entertaining fighter no matter what. And if you miss out on his Bellator fights, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. With our co-main and main event, we're going to throw it on over to a classic fight night preview and prediction of those two fights. Of course, those are your semifinals for the Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. Absolutely can't wait for it. And in one half of your semifinals with Bellator 268 in the light heavyweight division, we have a couple of stud wrestlers going at it. And it's kind of crazy to think of it this way. But for Ryan Bader, he won the Ultimate Fighter way, way back when. And for Corey Anderson, he also won the Ultimate Fighter way, way back when. Both of them at 205 pounds. Both of them had ample opportunities in the UFC, but just never really developed to the full capacity that we thought they could. And for Corey Anderson... He was so green when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He was one of those guys that a lot of people overlooked. He ended up using that grinding wrestling style that he has and was able to win out on the season. And he had big fights and he had, you know, highs and lows. He had huge peaks and valleys really in that promotion. Ultimately culminated with a potential title eliminator against Jan Blahovich that did not go his way whatsoever. And it was a small show. It was UFC Rio Rancho, John Jones in attendance. You had Michelle Pereira losing to Diego Sanchez. And ultimately in that main event, Corey Anderson sees himself out of the promotion. He was on a heater at the time. So he comes over to Bellator. 
And they give him a layup of a 40-plus-year-old Melvin Manhoff who was blown up to 205 pounds. And Beeston's going to Beeston. And he ultimately mopped the floor with him. Then in his, what, quarterfinal and his first fight in this Grand Prix... He takes on Dovletsan Yagshamradov, a guy that was a huge dark horse in the division. And I thought, and I predicted that Dovletsan was going to get the win. You had Corey Anderson. And when I watched that fight play out, it was just like watching a train wreck. I was so disappointed. I gotta be honest, Craig. I felt great after that fight because it went exactly how it probably should have. Let's be honest. If Corey Anderson was gonna win that fight, what was he gonna do? Go for takedowns, implement ground and bound, and maybe get a finish. Now, the interesting thing about Corey Anderson in Bellator, I'll even say Corey Anderson for the last four fights is, he's developed a much more aggressive style because that was the narrative about Corey Anderson. It's not only that, yes, he's a little bit chinny, it's that he's just not that fun to watch at the end of the day. And in the UFC, they put a lot of value into your marketability and your watchability as an MMA fighter. And up until that Johnny Walker fight, the story about Corey Anderson was that he's just kind of a lay and pray guy. He, you know, he's more of a point fighter. He's not really going in there to finish fights. And he he was sick and tired of that narrative going into the Johnny Walker fight. And ever since then, we have seen a more aggressive version. Against Walker, he darted across the cage, threw like one combination that hit Johnny Walker, and just went after him after he hurt him. And it was a great performance by Corey Anderson, and it kind of proved that, hey, Corey Anderson is not just that wrestler that he was back in the Ultimate Fighter. He has progressed his striking. He does have decent jiu-jitsu now. Like, he's built up more than just his wrestling to the point where I don't immediately think of Corey Anderson and then just think of like a 30-26 and that being his only method of victory. The thing about Corey Anderson, though, is that with that added aggression that he has brought to his game, his durability is in question. He lost one fight. I know, but still, all throughout his career, he is somebody who hasn't been the most durable fighter. Jean Vellante knocked him out. I, I never think of Corey Anderson and think, wow, this guy has a stone chin. So I do worry about Corey Anderson with his style of, hey, I'm going to go in there. I might need a few more shots. I don't think he's going to go down after one punch from Ryan Bader. I I'm not saying anything ridiculous like that. I just do worry that with Corey Anderson's more willingness to exchange a few punches to go get that takedown, when he does end up fighting a, a guy like Vadim Nemkov, or let's say he does fight, I don't know, Phil Davis down the road. Like, just guys who have decent power. Again. I do worry about him and his... Uh, I do worry about him and durability against some of those matchups in this division. Yeah, and I mean, I say, again, Phil Davis, it seems like he's fought everybody at 205 pounds. Like, he has two fights against Ryan Bader. Bader won both of those. He has two fights against Vadim Nemkov. Vadim's won both of those. Like, Phil doesn't lose very often, but usually it's to the same fighters. But for Ryan Bader, the craziest thing is, in the graphic that I have up in front of you, he has a belt because... He still is the Bellator heavyweight champ. His last win at heavyweight was over Fedor Emelianenko back in 2019 at the start of the year. Then he was went to defend his belt against Czech Congo, more than deservedly so. There was an eye poke, the fight ends, and that was his last fight at 265 pounds. That was back in August of 2019, or rather September 2019, since then. He lost to Vadim Nemkov where he ate the head kick almost behind his ear. He goes down. He gets back up because the referee was Kerry Hatley and he thought that, listen, a champ's got to get a champ's, uh, you know, opportunity to defend to himself. To Mario Yamasaki, I gave him the opportunity to be a warrior. Kerry Hatley gave him the opportunity. So then he goes out there and his next fight is against Lyoto Machida. And there was about 
what, almost a year? Eight months or so between that loss and the Machida fight. Now, you have to think of it. Ryan Bader's first fight against Lyoto Machida, these guys are prime fighters. Machida a little bit further away than Bader, but both guys still prime fighters. Machida finished him in the second round easy. Like, easy. So then in the second fight, Ryan's like, I didn't forget about that loss all those years ago. And that was a classic Ryan Bader performance, and that was back early on this year. He did look really good. It's just my issue with Ryan Bader as of late is that I don't really know where to gauge his talent against top-level light heavyweights. Because Ludo Machida, I know he was the light heavyweight champion in the UFC, but physically his frame belongs a lot better in 185 pounds than in middleweight. So to say, oh, Corey Anderson, or sorry, to say Ryan Bader, oh, he kind of absolved his sins with a win against Ludo Machida, it's just hard to say because we don't really know what version of Machida he fought. Machida looked good against Gegard Mousasi, I'd say, not that long ago, but he still is pretty old in his career, and if you're going to beat Machida, you're probably going to go out there and outgrapple him, and that's exactly what Ryan Bader was able to do. This will be really interesting. I don't know who has the better wrestling in this matchup, and I really do think that's what it's going to come down to. When it, you, If you look at absolute specifics of the way these guys went through their college careers, for Corey Anderson, and I want to make sure I get it right, he went to Lincoln College, JUCO. He went from there to Division Two. That one was, and again, I want to get it right, it was at Newbury College, and he was an All-American in D3. That one was at the University of Wisconsin, West or Whitewater, not West Point, Whitewater. If you look at it for Ryan Bader, Division One All-American, like this guy has the pinnacle of wrestling. It's weird to see how these guys get into MMA because for Ryan Bader, he went and parlayed wrestling into MMA. He won the Ultimate Fighter Season 8 at Light Heavyweight. Pretty cool stuff. For Beaston 25-8, the voice in the back of his head was former Bellator champion Ben Askren that kind of got him involved with Rufus Sport. He gets into MMA. Again, he only had, what, I think it was three pro fights before he went on to the Ultimate Fighter. He wins it. And then he has tons of fights. And you know the story from then on out. But it's just crazy to me to see where Corey Anderson's career went. And then for Ryan Bader, too. I always thought him as... Well, he didn't get it done against John Jones, and they were both early on. Every time Ryan Bader got close to the Sun Devils, he got burned. So it really is tricky. The narrative going into this one on the Bellator Countdown, as narrated the entire thing by Big John McCarthy, is Corey Anderson says he got the best of Ryan Bader, who's training for a five-round main event or a five-round fight, and he finished him in the fourth round. And Ryan Bader says, well, training doesn't really matter. And I agree to that extent. I mean, there's a lot of great hockey players that look good in junior, like Neil Yakupov. But then when it comes to the NHL, they just can't get it done. There's always these stories about guys sinking and swimming, like in Face Value by Phil Collins, where was... In the air tonight about a guy that drowned? No, but no. both of these guys, when it came to their big opportunities in the UFC, they kind of drowned. But when it came to Bellator, they flip it on their head, and it's like the back of Phil Collins' head when we're just drum soloing in in the air tonight. So Matt, I ask you this. We know how good of wrestlers these guys are. We know how close they are to their primes. Ryan Bader's kind of sneaky because he's 38, but I would say he's still relatively close. He has mm. A... A puncher's chance if he doesn't get hit. And B, he always has his wrestling to fall back on. We saw that in the Machida fight. Corey Anderson, though, still a lot closer to that prime age. I mean, he just turned 33 a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. Let's let's make sure. Let's be 100% clear. Corey Anderson is 32 years and three weeks old. So, yeah, he just turned 32. The odds for this one, Ryan Bader, plus 135 underdog, is your heavyweight champion with the organization for Beast and 25-8. Minus 165, Matt. We haven't looked at the topology picks or votes yet. 
We're going over under 70% Anderson. Where do you see that one? I think they're 60-40 Anderson. 62% going with Beeston 25-8. 58% have to win by knockout. For the 38% that have uh, Ryan Bader, 52% by decision, 40% by knockout. Again, I doubt somebody's going to get a submission win in this fight. How do you see this? I No one's going to like what I'm about to say. I think this fight's going to look a lot like Ryan Bader's two fights with Bill Davis. I don't think this fight's going to be overly entertaining. And I hate saying that. And don't worry, for our next preview, I think that fight's going to be very entertaining. But you have to understand, Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson's wrestling pretty much cancel each other out. Although Ryan Bader might have slightly better credentials with him being a Division I uh, wrestler... Corey Anderson still uses his wrestling a lot more in MMA, I would say. He is slightly more of a wrestler when it comes to actual MMA wrestling. So I would say they sort of cancel each other out. Let's say one guy does get the takedown on the other. I doubt they really have the ability to hold them down for all that uh, long of time. And it's going to just take so much energy to get the other guy down that I doubt other guy has that in their game plan. Even if Ryan Bader can take Corey Anderson down, it's going to take him like... 40 seconds of hard, hard, hard wrestling, and then hopefully try to trip him to get it to the ground, or vice versa. Neither guy's going to get a takedown easy in this fight, and that's why I think they're just going to cancel each other out a lot. The one thing I will say, though, is that Corey Anderson, I think, has slightly better volume on the feet. This is weird because Ryan Bader, I think, is the more powerful guy on the feet. He's shown that he does have decent power on the feet, even though I don't think his striking defense is all that great, and I do worry about him against other top-level strikers. I just look at these guys as being very similar in a lot of areas throughout their MMA careers. But I do think Corey Anderson's the slightly more active guy. And I think that's why I have to pick him in this fight. I'm going with the younger guy in this fight and Corey Anderson. Because as weird as it might seem, you talked about it in terms of volume. But in terms of length, in terms of how they utilize their length on the feet... Corey Anderson has not just the physical attributes, but he utilizes those things quite well when he is in the cage. Now against big-time power punchers, against great boxers, against Jan Blahovic. Did that work out? No. Against Jan Vellante, did that work out? No, but I think in a fight like this with Corey Anderson, we've seen it from him so far. From the UFC in that run that he went on before he fought Blahovich, and then in the last two fights that he's had, he's kind of been able to capture that magic. So for me, I think that Corey Anderson's going to go on from this fight, going to go into the finals, and going to book his spot against either your champion currently, Vadim Nemkov, or the dark horse out of Lithuania, Julius Angliskis. I absolutely love that fight and this fight. In this one, both of us going with Illinois' own overtime Anderson to get the win. We got boots on the ground and John Franklin. He's going to be providing coverage live from the arena for Bellator 268. So stick around for that. Find us on fightnapix.com for more of that, as well as at fightnapix on Instagram, Twitter, and the various socials that are out there. Really looking forward to this one. We also have our main event that you're not going to want to miss. Keep it locked in with fightnapix, as we always say. Let's, let's get, get into it. it. Big time main event coming up this weekend, Bellator 268. And with Fight Night Picks, we're going to have boots on the ground with our own John Franklin. He will be live and in attendance at the arena. If you want to fist bump him, I don't know what his protocols are on that one. But I can tell you one thing. It's going to be heating up inside the cage. We have one half of the semifinals in your Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. Your current champion, Vadim Nemkov, looking to defend against Anthony Rumble, who... Well, that's not Rumble Johnson. We have Lithuania's own Julius Angliskis, the former LFA champion at 205 pounds. And 
Julius is one of those really interesting fighters. When you look at it, he doesn't train out of one of the bigger gyms in the world, and he will admit to that. He trains at a St. Charles MMA in the St. Louis area, and I think that's really neat. You see some of the guys that are in his corner. I think Marcel Fortuna was one of the guys that I saw out there on Instagram. But when I look at the way that Julius fights, it is a very interesting type of style, and I know you're going to take it away a little bit, but I went back, I watched a lot of his fights, I looked at the way that he kind of does things. When he fights a striker, he wrestles. When he fights a wrestler, he strikes, and so far in his career, other than the one submission loss very early on, it's worked out great for him. I mean, he's won and won and won again. With Bellator, he is, of course, undefeated, but it's interesting to see the way that he made it into Bellator, because Julius is one of those guys that I like, and, and it's a different path, so let me explain it, to an AJ McKee, to a Lance Gibson Jr. that's on this card. I think he's a guy that UFC missed on. I think Dana White made a mistake with him. And I'm going to read you the quote because for Julius, he was on Dana White's Contender Series. It was back not that long ago, 2019, week eight. And if you look at the card, six fighters got contracts into the UFC off of that one. There were only five fights and Julius didn't get one. So figure that one out. Sarah Alpar fought Shanna Young. Alpar wins. Dana White goes and says... Yeah, listen, Sarah Alper's strength of schedule is really good. She fought a lot of title fights. Let's throw her in the UFC. Then they threw Shannon Young into the UFC, who's now 0-2. Sarah Alper, 0-2 in the UFC. William Knight was in the main event. They signed him. You know why they signed him, but they signed him, so he ends up there. Who else? Ray Rodriguez fought Tony Gravely. Well, Tony belonged in the UFC, and Ray was a champion with other organizations. They bring him into the UFC. He was very bad. But the reason why Dana didn't sign Julius Anglicus, and I am going to read you the exact quote. I felt like Reed gassed in the first round, and Julius didn't go after the finish like he should have. Go after him like he should have is actually what he said. Told him to fix some holes, and maybe he'd end up back there, but that he's in his prime. Julius took that, went into Bellator. Now, all of his wins coming into Bellator are by finish. His last three are by decision. But the guy's on an FU Dana White tour, and he made his way into this as an alternate because, like I said, it was supposed to be Rumble Johnson. Julius Anglicus, Matt, what do you think of his game? So there's two things that could happen to a fighter after they lose or after they don't get a contract on Dana White Contender Series. They can just sort of moan about it and never get better, or they could do what Julius did, and they can go exactly what you said. They can go on an FU Dana White tour. Brendan Locke named the exact same thing. It works out for guys. Didn't work in his last fight, but I know, still. but still, he has had a ton of success since that, and I'm sure he's probably pretty happy that he didn't get signed to the, or they didn't get signed to the UFC, because he's had great opportunities since then. And this thing about Anglicus, Anglicus. Anglicus. Yes, he can box when he's fighting a wrestler. Yes, he can wrestle when he fights a boxer. But when he is on top of a guy, when he is implementing his own forward pressure, and when he's the one mixing in his takedown attempts with his wrestling or with his boxing, he's a tough fighter to beat. And his grappling style is the type that he takes you down. You're losing your cardio every second you're spent underneath him. He's making you work for every second. He's making you try to get back up to your feet. And it'll be a really interesting fight against Vadim Nemkov because Nemkov, and the first thing I think about when I think about Nemkov, is compact. He's kind of like Alexander Volkanovsky for this division. He's not necessarily big, but I don't think he's at a strength disadvantage by any means. What I am trying to say is that if Angliskis can get on top of Nemkov, and especially early on in this fight, he might be able to wear on him to the point where the great cardio and the great footwork of Nemkov just won't be there in the third round, in the fourth round, in the fifth round. And yes, Nemkov might have a speed advantage over Angliskis, but if Angliskis can get him down to the mat and just start to wear on him like he's done in many fights before, he could start to even the scales as this fight progresses. And I mean, if you do look at it for Vidim Nemkov, he's had two very close fights with Phil Davis. The first one 
one was a split decision in the rematch in this tournament. He ended up winning by unanimous decision. But you look at Vidim in the first round, you look at Vidim in the second round, guy's tired. I mean, Phil Davis is going to wear on you. But for Phil, he wasn't able to get the wrestling. And that's one of those things about Davis's recent fights. He either does it or he doesn't. And it's kind of weird in the fights that he picks and chooses to do it. One of the best to ever do it out of Penn State. But for Nemkov, this is a guy undefeated with Bellator. His two losses, one to Yuri Prohoshka over with Ryzen, the other one with Ryzen. And it was back-to-back -back fights. One to Carl Albrechtson, who's also on this card. And when you look at this card, it's got to be a lot of weird familiarity, similarities, and guys going side-eyeing each here? other. For Julius, it's got to be like, yeah. I was destined to be here, but you look at the last five fights for Nemkov. He beats Liam McGarry. Even before that, he beats Felipe Linz that ended up in the UFC at heavyweight. Yikes. He beats Rafael Carvalho. He ends up getting the win over Ryan Bader to win the belt. And then, of course, that fight against Davis's last time out. But that Bader fight just kind of goes after him. Lands that head kick, knocks him down, fires away. Kerry Hatley lets it go on. And then he ends up getting the finish, gets the TKO win. Vadim Nemkov, when it's on the feet, absolute lights out. When it's on the mat, I worry a little bit more against a guy like Angliskis. So, Matt, I absolutely love this fight. And when I looked at the odds, I kind of went, yeah, I guess. I mean, Nemkov, a minus 320 favorite right now. Angliskis somewhere around a plus 255. Not a lot of uh, sites with odds. And those are average at-best fight odds. The votes on topology for this one, we haven't seen them. I'm going to guess somewhere in the 85% range for Nemcom. What do you say? Uh, I'll go up. I'll say above. You're going to say above? 312 votes. It's not two. a lot. 95% Nemkov. 25% by decision. 67% by knockout. For the 5% that I have Angliskis, 59% by decision. 35% by knockout. It's possible. I mean, Vadim Nemkov lost by retirement at the 10th minute against Yuri Prohoshka. So there is that. But this is a tricky fight for both guys. I'm really loving the matchmaking here. And I like the fact that Angliskis is the guy that steps in for Rumble. Because straight up, yeah, Rumble got a knockout in his last fight. But man, he looked bad. Like yeah, a grappler fight. almost knocked him out in the first round of that one. This is my only problem with Vadim Nemkov. I, I think he's going to win this fight. I'll, I'll get my prediction out of the way right now. But my issue with Nemkov is when I think about some of the best light heavyweights in the world, I think there's guys out there who can take advantage of some of his shortcomings. Because, just hear me out, with Vadim Nemkov, yes, he's a great striker. And yes, he's a phenomenal striker when he moves forward. But could he be a volume in a fight? Yeah, he could. There's guys out there who could keep a higher pace than him. Could he get outpowered in a fight? Yeah, of course. He's not the biggest guy for this weight class. Could he get out-wrestled by guys out there? You know what I mean? It's just, there's a few cracks in the armor. I don't think we're dealing with an invincible fighter here. But I do think he's going to be able to get it done against Angliskis. I just don't think Julius can stand with Vadim on the feet. And I do think the footwork of Vadim is going to give Julius really, a really tough time trying to take him down. And if he can't take down Nemkov, it's going to be a really tough night in the office. I mean, I threw it out there and I wrote it down in my notes. The fact that this is Angliskis' first five-round fight in some time. It was a five-rounder against Clayton York back two and a half years ago or so. Main eventing an LFA card, winning the belt, ending up on Contender Series. I'm eager to see how his gas tank fares in a fight against a guy like Nemkov that, like you said... Is he the best at every single aspect? Maybe not. But when you compare him to a guy like Volkanovski, is Volkanovski as good of a volume striker as a Max Holloway? Well, he beat him twice. But still, you'd catch my drift. Nemkov is so good. Coker saying that Bellator has the greatest light heavyweight division. Eh, 
I mean, you Don't can make Lohovich an argument. Lohovich is a pretty scary Polish man right now. You can make an argument. I'll listen to it. I love the fight, but I like Nemkov when the fight is on the feet, and I have him to win this one. I want to hear from everybody down below in the comments section because both of us have Russia's fighter to go and still with Fedor, with his brother that wasn't able to get a win in Bellator. You know what I mean? I'm really looking forward to this. We also have our own John Franklin who's going to be boots on the ground this weekend with 268. He can answer your questions. So you can find him at SM Cornerman. Go bug him. Pick his brain see what he's thinking i love this card and you can also find us with question mark kicks friday night i kind of buried that lead earlier on in the weekend for the ufc card we're going to be at fight league atlantic Ooh. 2 from moncton new brunswick canada you can catch us there loving this card looking forward to it keep it locked in with fight night picks as we always say let's, let's get, get into it, it. back to MMA landscaping and Matt this weekend we're going to be set up live at FLA 2 from the Coliseum in Moncton New Brunswick Canada Matt listen experience Regina we're going to experience Moncton and this is where it kind of all comes full circle because listen my first MMA event was on a whim where I sent a message to a promoter back in 2018 I covered NEF they were live in Portland Maine and that kind of got the train rolling and then I was covering events in Maine more often than not I made it to every single one. And then out of that, again in 2018, the first ever UFC event that was covered with Fight Night Picks was UFC Moncton. It was Anthony Smith, Vulcan, Uzdemir. Now that was at the brand new Avenir Center, which this is not at. This one's going to be at the Coliseum because there's hockey, there's Moncton Wildcats, lots of different stuff to look forward to. But again, it comes full circle because in terms of the New Brunswick MMA scene, I've only ever covered one fight card in our home province, and that's been it. There's also hasn't been any cards in Nova Scotia. There hasn't been any in Prince Edward Island, so on and so forth. And it just sucks because the very first Fight League Atlanta card that there ever was, I mean, Jesse Arnett was there. Jimmy Smith was on the call. I was flying back from Florida to another NEF show that featured Manny Bermudez taking on Bruce Boynton. So it just so ended up that I flew out of there. It was cheaper that way. But I felt bad and I missed FLA. But now I get the opportunity to go back again. And Matt, for you, you've been to one MMA show that Fight Night Picks has covered. And what did you do at that MMA event? I sold t-shirts and talked to strangers. That's what you did. You're going to be covering this one for the first time. Fight League Atlantic putting it on. You can see right up there, Fight League Atlantic over on the Instagrams. They have all sorts of neat info about the pay-per-view that you can buy if you can't make it because, again, maybe some of you in the Maritimes, the COVID situation in New Brunswick right now, a little bit sticky. Dicey, dicey. So if you're looking forward to the card, you can find it on pay-per-view. But Matt, I'm really looking forward to this one. You have a look at it. And I mean, they haven't had a card since, what does that make it? Early 2020. This one, all amateur fights. You got Hank Anderson taking on Jordan Oseworthy in the main event. Heavyweight title on the line. Just a lot of different stuff to look forward to. And I'm so glad that we actually have a return to MMA in the Maritime. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's been a while since I think I've gone to any kind of event. So it's just really exciting to go to an MMA one that is so close to home. Hopefully this can get built up a little bit more regionally because there is great MMA talent in Canada. People forget it wasn't that long ago that GSP was the greatest fighter of all time and in every other commercial on our TV station. So I think this is a great opportunity, not only for all the fighters, but just to sort of build the scene locally and i'm really excited to go watch and i mean think about it for the fighters that have come even out of the maritimes gavin tucker still competes with the ufc tj grant coming out of the halifax area like there's so many different fighters not just in nova scotia but in new brunswick 
One of the fastest knockouts in UFC history was Ryan Jimmo at a St. John. Unfortunately, he passed. And then you want to go out west, Tim Haig. I mean, who who else have we had? Like you talked about, Rory McDonald, Sarah Kaufman, Julia Budd. Carlos Newton. Mandel Nialo. So many different fighters. Yeah, Carlos Newton who signed the flag that's behind us. There's so much talent to look out for and to look forward to. If you're in Moncton, if you're in New Brunswick, hit us up. We're going to be in Moncton this weekend for the card. We'll socially distance. If you recognize us, though, say hi. Yeah, like, we're, I'd like to think that we're approachable. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this card. I mean, it's coming up in, they got the countdown timer on their site, about three days, depending on when the show comes out. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this card. Find us there. If you like the Bellator previews, if you like the UFC previews, if you like the show, let us know down below in the comments section. Toss us a like and a sub. Because once we get to 30k, Matt, what are we going to add to the channel? We're going to be adding a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series breakdown. Going to give you guys a little bit more information on all those great prospects that we get to showcase on that show. I'm really excited for it. I know you are. And it just gives us more of a chance to talk about UFC and talk about MMA. And everybody loves that. Absolutely looking forward to it. You can find us at FightNightPicks.com for the FLA2 and the Bellator 268 coverage. You can also find us at FightNightPicks on Instagram, Twitter, so on and so forth. Really looking forward to a busy week in combat sports with Fight Night Picks. Matt, keep it locked in with Fight Night Picks. As we always say, let's get into it.